0: You're listening to Shalise's Podcast. So let me pray. Father, thank you for this day that you have made. And thank you that every single person here, including myself, is here by divine appointment. Thank you that this is not an accident. That you set the members of the body of Jesus Christ in position as it pleases you. And everyone is here today, Father, by the leading of the Holy Spirit. And so I just yield. I yield my body as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable and pleasing in your sight. Redeemed, Father. So think through my mind. Speak through my mouth. Say what you want to say. We give you full reign to renew our minds this morning. We give you full reign to touch those parts of our hearts and our bodies that have yet to manifest the fullness of Jesus Christ. Do what only you can do, Lord. And we give you all the praise and all the glory for it in Jesus name. Amen. Amen. Okay. So let's go back to what I said. Christ in you, the hope of glory. Christ in you, the hope of glory. Now, There's a great scripture in Philippians 4 that talks about us not worrying about anything. It says, be anxious for nothing, but in everything through prayer and supplication, giving thanks unto God, make your requests known unto him. And the peace of God, which surpasses understanding, will guard your heart and your mind. And then it goes on to say that we should think on certain things, things that are lovely, things that are pure, things that are of good report. And it is a picture of taking control of our minds and our minds. If you've ever read that book by Joyce Meyer is where the spiritual battle is. Okay. It is a battle for your thought life. Okay. This is the area that spiritual warfare takes place. Why? Because the enemy is a liar And he programs us with lies. And so meditating on things that are lovely and of pure and of good report is spiritual warfare. Thinking thoughts that are true is spiritual warfare. And so I want to start today with the foundation of the truth. And I said it already that Christ is in you, the hope of glory. How many of you, and you can be totally honest, because even though this is the gospel that I preach day in and day out, I do not remember this 24-7. Okay, I preach this gospel. I see the separation <laughs> that is in Christian world everywhere I look. I cannot escape it. God has spent t- decades at this point renewing my mind to the truth that I am one with Jesus Christ. So probably, I'm just not trying to brag or anything because I didn't do this. This is by the grace of God. But probably more than anyone, I spend most of my time under the truth that I am one with Jesus, that the risen Lord Jesus Christ, the very same spirit that raised up Jesus from the dead lives in me. But if you're honest, and I was just honest and said, I don't think about this 24-7. I don't wake up remembering this a lot of days. When's the last time that you really thought about the fact that the risen Lord Jesus Christ lives inside of you, that you are one with him? Right? When we sang worship this morning, and I'm definitely, I'm not being critical. I'm just telling you guys that we have to get this. I walked in feeling beauty for ashes. Y'all, I have some things going on in my life right now that are heavy. And it is really easy for me to like, Get into that place of feeling, you know, I could feel sorry for myself, or I could feel powerless, or I could feel, why me? Why's the devil picking on me? I could think all of these thoughts. But I'll tell you what, when I hear those songs, I don't get encouraged. I get reminded. Oh, wait. <laughs> I'm one with Jesus. How could I have forgotten that again? How could I have forgotten that again? 20 years of meditating on these truths. Christ in you, the hope of glory. And I walk into church this morning and I forgot again. <laughs> Thank God for church. <laughs> because the Holy Spirit reminds us of these things. So really, be honest. When's the last time that you really had a revelation that you are one with Jesus? Now, let me, let me tell you how powerful this is. See, we look up to, gen, we call them generals in the faith that do these like amazing things, that have these amazing ministries. One is this guy named John G. Lake. How many of you have heard of John G. Lake? Okay, John G. Lake had one of the most powerful healing ministries in the history of the church. And there was a time when he went into a village in Africa that had been wiped out by a like some type of plague. Kind of sounds like what what's happening around here right now. Right? And they asked him, have you gotten the vaccine, and this is not a vaccine sermon, okay, so please (laughs) do do not put that on me, (laughs) okay, but what he said was something to the effect of, I am the vaccine, and then he said, he didn't just say it like he was some, you know, lunatic, right, he's like, here, do this take some of my saliva and put it on a little test, you know, a little, little slide. Thank you, doctor. She's so smart. She can help me with these things, a little slide. And so he put some saliva on the slide and he said, now go get some of the germs or bacteria or whatever it is from the plague and put it on my saliva. And the moment that plague hit his saliva, it died. What in the world? How could that be? He must be extra anointed. (laughs) He must have gone to the Brownsville revival. He must have gone to the outpouring in Toronto. No, maybe he did, maybe he didn't, I don't know. But let me tell you what I do know is I know that he had a revelation of the gospel. And I know that he had a revelation of Christ in me. I know that that was not John G. Lake that was actually killing that bubonic plague. It was the presence of the risen Lord Jesus Christ. And the presence of the risen Lord Jesus Christ magnifies in our lives when we think on things that are lovely and pure and of good report. When you think on the truth, Christ in me, the hope of glory... When you think on the truth that I am the temple of the Holy Spirit, and you really think on it, first of all, if you think on it long enough, you know what's going to happen? It's going to activate your imagination. Why? Because how many of you, you know when you read a book, you get into that book and you get swept away. You've got like this movie going on in your, in your your in your screen of your imagination when you're reading that book. Like if you're reading a book about, you know, like, olden days or something. In the 1800s, you get swept away. And the next thing you know, you're in the scene in your head. See, that's what happens when we meditate. When we think on something, when we read something, it activates this, this part of our brain that enters into the story. And scripture is supposed to be more than a story. It's alive, you guys. It's not like any other book. You know, it, it, it's alive. These words are spirit. And so when you think on these words, the Holy Spirit engages with you, and you start to get an imagination. I'm the temple of the Holy Spirit. Well, what in the world does that look like? Christ in me is the hope of glory. What does that mean, Christ in me? For any of you that have followed my ministry very long, the reason why people think that I'm such an authority on this subject is because I did just that. For a whole year, God spoke to me. The Holy Spirit said to me, you're going to meditate on one scripture, Christ in you, the hope of glory. Now, at the time, you have to realize, I had a diagnosis of manic depression. I had more problems than a math book. That is quoting the Holy Spirit, by the way. (laughs) The Holy Spirit actually said, you have more problems than a math book. And then he said, but we can't solve them all at once. And he showed me my mind was like a rubber band ball. And I was like the little core of those things Have you ever seen at the, at the office max or whatever, just a ball of rubber bands. And that was my brain because those were, and he said, I know how every one of those lies got wrapped around you. All those rubber bands were lies. And he said, and I know how to set you free. So he wasn't even mad at me that I had more problems in a math book. (laughs) He wasn't condemning me that I had more problems in a math book. Why? Because I have those, every one of those problems was based on a lie. And everything that we go through in our lives is some type of manifested lie. Oh, you better hear me. It's a manifested lie. Everything that is happening in our finances, in our bodies, in our relationships, everything around us is a manifestation of something. A lie or the truth. And when you start to recognize that the only power the enemy has is found in the power of a lie, spiritual warfare is really easy. What's the truth? It's a good, it, it's peaceful way to live, y'all. <laughs> because you just recognize, wow, I, I need to meditate. I need to take my mind and I need to get the truth in here. I need to get it into my heart. I need to get it into my body. I need to get it into my bank accounts. I need to get it into my relationships. I need to get it into every area of my life. And so when we, say, when we think on things that are lovely and things that are pure, such as Christ and you, the hope of glory, granted, more problems in a math book. <laughs> Diagnosis of manic depression. I mean, guys, this, is, this has worked when I was having serial miscarriages, This has worked. I mean, I could stand up here for literally for hours and give you my own personal testimonies, not to mention those that are around us and what we're seeing just by changing what they're meditating on. If you believe that you are under attack, what are you meditating on? If you believe that, first of all, you're going to create that. Why? Because you're just that powerful. As a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. There is a reason the Apostle Paul was rejoicing in the midst of prison when he wrote Philippians. And he wasn't, try- he wasn't just you know white-knuckling it. Oh, this prison. Oh, hallelujah. Hallelujah. Praise you, Jesus. No, he was drunk on the gospel. He was in the bliss of the reality of what Jesus Christ has accomplished. When you really recognize what Jesus has done, you get happy. It's called good news. (laughs) And it's happy, 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 happy news. And the time it's most happy is when you're in the midst of some type of manifested lie. That's when it's the best news. It's the best news when there's something in your life that looks like it's exalting itself against the knowledge of God. So when we meditate on the truth, and you guys, the most important truth that you have to get is who you are in Christ. Okay, Andrew was talking about that today. And I don't mean, it's not a one-time thing. You know, it is not a one-time thing. It is an over and over and over and over and over and over. It's an every morning thing. It is a morning ritual thing. You get up in the morning and you put on Christ. Christ is your armor, by the way. Your life is hidden in Christ. So you've got to get in Christ every single day. You have to recognize that the you that you've been relating to, that you're mad at, that you're accusing, that you're defending, whatever it is that you're doing has been crucified. You do not have a self apart from Christ. That is a deception. It is a deception. And that is how the enemy eats our lunch. Is he gets us to live out of an identity that doesn't even exist. How brilliant. How subtle. How sly. And here's the challenge because a lot of times we get in church and we hear some good teaching around who we are in Christ but we still take on that identity separate from God. Like I'm the righteousness of God in Christ. We'll say these scriptures. I'm recreated. I'm a new creature. But we kind of still just subtly see ourselves separate. I'm righteous. I'm just like Jesus. But you're not just like Jesus. You're one with Jesus. And it's, again, a very subtle little nuance as you're thinking about on things that are true and lovely and good report. Now, why is this so important? Because if you can get that right, now we can talk about whatever else is going on. Okay? What is going on that is the attack? Okay? Or what is going on that needs to be transformed in our lives, in our relationships? It's only when you're in Christ can you operate with the mind of Christ. Because we need to discern the truth. We need to find out what is actually going on. Okay? Because a lot of times we blame things on the devil that the devil has nothing to do with. Okay? You're just triggered. <laughs> I know I'm telling a hard truth this morning, but a lot of people in the church don't even know what a trigger is. Because we don't understand that. Our current circumstances are hitting programming, it's called the pattern of this world, of things that we have experienced in our lives that have taught us to believe lies. Let me just give a very simple example. Someone in fourth grade gets asked to read a book out loud in class. They're not very good at reading yet, and they are devastated and terrified to get up and read this book. And when they get up, they stutter over their words, and everybody in class starts laughing at them. And they sit down after reading out loud, and they said, I will never do that again. And they also say, I am not a public speaker. And I'm stupid. I'm not good in in school. Now, you may think that's an extreme thing, Shalise. It's not an extreme thing. I work with people every single day to help them hear God clearly about their life purpose so that they can start living it. And do you know the number one thing that I have to do is I have to, un- help, with the help of the Holy Spirit, undo the lies that they believed about themselves based upon the things that they experienced in life. Now, what does it mean to be a trigger? A trigger would be, well, hey. You know what? Tom, come up here and read the scripture and share with the church. And all of a sudden he's like, oh, I don't do that. I don't do that. I don't read it. You know, he has like a physical reaction, an emotional reaction to a request to come up and share something in front of church. Now, in his mind, he thinks, I'm just shy. I don't do this because he doesn't consciously make the connection between what he went through. Matter of fact, sometimes our brains forget those things as a way to survive, and as a way to keep going in life. Especially if it's way more traumatic than what I just described, the the little reading example. Although to the person that went through the reading example, it was very traumatic. Trauma is not, is in the eye of the beholder. Okay? And so a lot of times we walk into circumstances. You don't know how many times I hear believers say things like, oh, I'm under attack at work. And I'm all like, no, you're not, you're triggered. (laughs) those people at work are bringing up unresolved wounds. I'm telling you all the truth. Okay? So a lot of times, I don't know, I don't have a percentage here, but I'm saying a lot of times when what we blame on the devil is actually a trigger. And the solution to it, you can rebuke the devil all day, you can change jobs 50 times, but the devil just keeps following you, doesn't he? just keeps coming to your new workplace. Why? Because there's a wound in your heart that has yet to be healed. There's, And what do I mean by a wound? There is a lie that you have believed that entered into your heart and into your programming, into your little neural nets based on something you experienced. Okay? So, meditating on things that are lovely and pure and of good report, guess what? Changes our brain. It changes our brain. And so instead of going into the workplace and thinking everybody's out to get you, you can go into your workplace and say, okay, Holy Spirit, what is coming up for me? No matter what I do, it's never good enough. That was one I've dealt with. Or... (sighs) What is it? People hate me. People don't like me. Right? I mean, I could go on and on about these beliefs that we have that we don't, we're not aware that we're carrying around. But when we begin to meditate on the truth that I am loved, I am accepted in the beloved. I was chosen in Christ before the foundation of the world to be holy and to be blameless. By his stripes, I am healed because the healer is in me. Does that make sense? Where? How is this lie manifesting? The truth is the favor of God surrounds me as a shield. So what's happening? Why, what is it that's blocking my ability to receive favor? You know, I have had some doozies that have been in the way of me manifesting the call of God in my life. I mean, I am a massive abuse survivor. And so things like people aren't safe. Things like the world isn't safe all kinds of subconscious beliefs that guess what manifest in my life because I believe them. Do you guys understand that connection that I'm making here? That it matters what we think on that. it And here's the problem though. A lot of what we believe is not conscious. We're not aware that we believe it. And if you will just, I don't know, take a step back from everything's the devil for a minute. And you will instead think of the, ask this question. What's the lie? What's the lie? What's the lie? Now we could say the lie is from the devil, but the truth is it could just be the lie is from the fact that he is operating in a fallen world at a very high level. By programming human beings. We don't all have personal devils. He does not have that many. He's bankrupt. He's stripped. There's a shortage in hell. Do you know what I'm saying? Plus, they're not, they're 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 everything bad. They're jealous. They're full of strife. They can't get organized. All the inner, all the inner fighting. I mean, just imagine the most unhealthy people that you know trying to get together and take over the world. But see, it's a completely different picture than what a lot of us have been programmed to believe. What's the lie, and what's the truth? And how do I get it from off of the pages of my phone, (laughs) of my scripture, of my Bible, into my heart and into my head? See, I have some lies I'm working on right now. I have some things that have manifested in my life that are lies. I actually know where they came from. Because I understand this process. You know why? Because I know I'm a good manifester. I'm a great manifester, for good or for bad. I can almost watch it in 24 hours. I don't blame the things that are going on in my life on the devil. I blame them on the lies. Do you see that? Because that's something that we can change at any moment. And that is how we win. We win with the truth. The Holy Spirit is good at his job. He knows how to lead and guide us into all truth. And the truth that we know sets us free. The truth that we subconsciously revelatory, we know this to be true for ourselves. That sets us free. So let me give you a couple examples of this. The first one I've shared, but I'm going to share it again because it's worth you hearing again in context of this today. Okay, when Holy Spirit gave me that that scripture to meditate on for a whole year, I thought, how boring. Christ in you, the hope of glory. Like one phrase, a whole year. You guys, that did not sound fun. I mean, that sounded terrible. I'm thinking I should be reading the whole Bible. And through, you know, through in a year, like that's what you do as a Christian, right? One stupid scripture, (laughs) you know, I didn't know anything about meditation. Now, granted, I was manic depressive. So you can admit more problems in a math book. You know, what was real? My mind looked like a rubber band ball at the office store. No wonder I had that diagnosis. Okay, that my, you have to realize how messed up my head was. Like, I did not start where most of y'all are starting today. (laughs) Okay, like, I was way over here. And I just began, Christ in me, the hope of glory. Okay, Christ in me, the hope of glory. Holy Spirit said, go stand in the mirror. And just go stand in the mirror and look at yourself, Shalice. Well, I didn't want to look at myself. I didn't like myself. Looking at myself felt bad. So, confrontation with the lie. I had a horrible self-image. Christ in you, the hope of glory. Okay, you look, keep looking in the mirror, Shalise, until you can see Christ looking back at you. Well, I don't even know what that meant, right? I'm looking, I don't see Jesus, I just see me. I just see me, I still just see me. Finally, I got this kind of idea, like special effects from a movie, kind of like if you ever see like a superhero or something morph, right? morph. I was like, well, maybe I can morph and see Jesus. And I thought, well, let me just use my imagination. Let's just use my imagination. I started learning what meditation was and the power of our imagination. I started praying Ephesians 1:17 and 18 that says that the eyes of our understanding would be enlightened, that our hearts would be flooded with light. So I started to understand that. So I said, okay. Then I began to see Jesus's face kind of on mine. And then finally, I heard the Holy Spirit say, now go to Revelation chapter one and read. Make sure you know the real Jesus that's in you. Because it's not the Jesus in the manger. It's not the Jesus walking down the shores of Galilee. It's what I now call scary Jesus. He's not scary to us, but he's scary to the kingdom of darkness. He's scary to anything that isn't him. Because when you read Revelation chapter one, it says his, his hair is white like wool. His eyes are like fire. His face is as bright as the sun. He's got this belt on. It's like Wonder Woman, you know, like a belt of truth. It's like this crazy belt. And he's got shoes that are like feet, like a burnished bronze. And Holy Spirit said, now that's who inside of you. So now look until you can see those eyes of fire coming out of your eyes. This sounds like crazy stuff. But you know what? I had a whole year to be crazy. I was already crazy, so why not? (laughs) So I sat and I looked and I looked and I looked. And the more that I looked, guys, things started to happen. All of a sudden, it was like I was experiencing the Bible. People started coming up to me. I didn't know at the gas station, heroin addicts. I started ministering to people on the streets just because Jesus would say, go, go, go talk to that woman. And I at first was like, I don't do that. He's like, oh, you do now. <laughs> I run time. I mean, it's a long story. I can spend a whole day talking about what started to happen. Drug addicts started to get delivered. I remember one time walking to a house on the south side of Chicago that was full of crackheads. And the moment I walked in, they all went into seizures. Normally, you would call 911 but I didn't call 911. I just let the resurrected Lord Jesus show up there. And I just happened to be the one carrying him. That's when I learned that I was Jesus in a Shalice suit and that Jesus was Shalice in a Jesus suit. It was like Halloween every day without the devil. You guys, it changed my life. And time doesn't permit to, to, to let you see my two little beautiful girls here. They're big girls now. But how I had to fight serial miscarriages, serial miscarriages, serial miscarriages. And I asked the Lord, because I had more of a spiritual warfare paradigm than I do now. I asked him, how is the enemy stealing my babies? Because I know barrenness is under the curse. I know you became it on the cross. So what is happening? And he took me to a book called Fourth Dimension, which was a book about the power of our imagination and prayer. I blew blew my mind, changed my life, because it gave the Holy Spirit the opportunity to give me another meditation, another thought to meditate on that was lovely and pure and of good report. And the, the, the picture in that one is that I was nine months pregnant, walking in the garden. The garden represented being redeemed from the curse. And I was nine months pregnant, walking around with Jesus, and I carried babies full term. I remember going in to get ultrasounds. And let me tell you, when you're, I had babies later. They give you all these reasons why you aren't going to have the baby and all this stuff. I mean, it is a fight in your mind to hold on to the truth. I remember when they were about to do the ultrasound and I mean, you know, they're, they're talking and it was like Charlie Brown's teacher. rah rah Because I was not listening. You know where I was? I was in the garden, nine months pregnant, walking around with Jesus. And that meditation was so powerful that when I had morning sickness, which I never wanted to rebuke because it felt comforting to me to know, okay, my body's working, my body's working, but oh, you can't eat. I would go to the garden when I was nine months pregnant, morning sickness would leave my body. It would physically shift my body just by going into that meditation. I have stories. Last one, and I got to go. This is a story when we used to have a school when I pastored in Colorado, and one of the students came in one morning whose dad was in a coma in the Middle East, and I had had a I had a team meeting that morning and so one of our team members had um, driven this this boy up to school and they came into the meeting all flustered, all flustered, all flustered. And I was like, when I heard the news, I did not have anything to pray. Now, now, let me trust you, right after that, it was also kind of this attack of like, you should be praying, you should be praying, you should, and I remembered like, no, the Lord gave me the agenda for the meeting this morning, we're just going to go through the meeting. I hear it. We're just going to go, we're going to stay on the father's agenda this morning. All day I was under this, like, oh, you should be praying. You should be praying. I was just like, I don't have anything. That night I went to bed, woke up the next morning. And while I was still in that kind of just waking up state, I had a vision. And I saw one of our team members in the spirit go into the hospital room over in the Middle East, go over to the father, breathe on him say, live. And he woke up. I didn't even get out of bed. I reached over to my phone. I texted this team member and I told him the vision. And I said, go into prayer. This miracle is yours. Sure enough, later that afternoon, through the power of their imagination. See, our imagination is more powerful than you guys realize. It's how we connect with the realm of the spirit. It is our spiritual eyes in operation. That's why the enemy wants you to meditate and worry on the wrong things because it's creative. It's a prophetic word from the wrong source. And so he went into, she went into the spirit in her imagination, went over into the hospital room in the Middle East, just in her imagination. She gets there. She walks in the door. She feels some someone behind her. She realizes, oh, wait, that's Jesus. Jesus comes, steps into her, and together they walk over to the Father, breathe on him, say live, and she knew that in three days he would wake up. And you know what happened? Three days he woke up. So those are just three examples that I can give in a very short amount of time about the power of imaginative prayer Meditating on the truth and recognizing that the only problem we have is a manifested lie. And the battle is to believe the truth when your physical senses tell you everything else contrary to the truth. Your your human feelings tell you everything contrary to the truth. The battle is in our humanness. But he has won the battle. We are in Him who has won the, bo- the battle. That's why we always triumph. That's why, and if we, if there's, if there's battles that we have that we have lost, we have to be careful about what we make it mean. It doesn't change the truth. Amen. Because the the battle is between a manifested lie and the manifestation of the truth. And I don't want to give a place for the devil by exalting him beyond the ability to deceive me. Amen? All right. All right, guys. See law on that. Thanks for listening to Shalisa's Podcast. This recording is, in part, made possible by our listeners. To partner with us, visit shalice.com, where you can donate and help us spread the good news of our unshakable union with Christ around the globe. You can also find a link there to download Shalice's book, The Path, for free. And if you're ready to discover the call of God on your life and the purpose He created you for, then visit us at shalice.com. And watch Shalisa's free training, where you'll hear five keys to hearing God about your life purpose and transitioning into it. Thanks again for listening. Until next time, don't forget, the world needs the Christ in you.